Hello, college football fans, and welcome to another edition of the Big Big Ten Football Show, where leaders become legends. Today, we're going to talk about uh, week one in the Big Ten, and uh, let's just right, let's just jump right into it. Let's break down these uh, conference games first. It was a, a unique start to the Big Ten season, which saw multiple conference games involving ranked opponents. The first of which was on Thursday night, where the Ohio State Buckeyes traveled to Minnesota to take on the Golden Gophers. The Buckeyes obviously are the Big Ten favorite, um, as they've been for several years running now. And it was an impressive showing, especially from the offensive side of the ball. Um, Spectacular play from the running back position. Uh, I think... Master Teague's load in big games is going to be uh, going uh, down and down from if if uh, anything we saw from Mayan Williams and Trevion Henderson is an indicator to what you uh, to what we should expect from those two moving forward. Williams 125 yards and just nine carries, 3.9 yards per carry. Trevion Henderson only three touches. Picked up 85 all-purpose yards, including 70 on a touchdown catch. Um, Big plays were abound from the Ohio State offense. Um, The skill play there is ridiculous. We already know how great Chris Olave is, how how great uh, Garrett Wilson is. These are arguably two of the better uh, NFL draft prospects from the wide receiver position, so that was never in doubt. Now you throw in what Mayan Williams can do, what Travion Henderson can do, and not to be understated, what this offensive line could do. You basically had four tackles on the field. Jones was uh, subbing in for Miller, which pushed uh, Nicholas Petit-Freer uh, inside to guard, Paris Johnson inside to guard, you 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 potentially had you know three or four tackles who could end up going in the first or second round of the NFL draft in the next year or two, and they were just mauling the Minnesota offensive line. So with that kind of blocking and that type of athleticism at running back, this is going to be it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a serious challenge to slow down this Ohio State running game. Um, the only question mark I have from the offense leaving that game is from C.J. Stroud. He looked extremely shaky um, in that first half. Um, you know, it looked like the moment might have been too big for him. It was approaching that direction at least as because he got shakier and shakier as that half went, uh, went on. And then he settled down at halftime. Um, they got the ball to the playmakers and let the playmakers make plays. Um, I'll give Stroud credit for settling down. It's still a long road to go. He is a redshirt freshman making his first start in an extremely tough uh, environment, a tough situation. Not necessarily, you know, not that Minnesota is known as the toughest place to play in the Big Ten, but it is a road game. It is a conference game. Very few quarterbacks have to make their first start as freshmen in that type of setting, week one. So everything is with a caveat when it comes to to looking at Stroud's game. I think um, 
Maybe the criticism in the first half was too much. I think some of the praise in the second half was certainly too much because it really was more about the receivers and the quarterback, in my opinion. Yes, obviously, folks, obviously, we saw the arm talent. But the arm talent is not in question. We know he has the arm talent. All the quarterbacks on the roster have the arm talent. The question is, is he the right guy? Is he the guy that can lead them to, you know, the playoff to another Big Ten title to possibly a national championship. That's a lot to ask of a, of a freshman quarterback in his first year as a starter. So we're going to need to see him grow. Uh, you know, he made a few, as I mentioned, the seventy-yard you know little dump off to Travion Henderson. Well, he gets credit for a seventy-yard pass. You know what I mean? And and that's that's the beauty of being a quarterback with all those skilled players is you get to play with these fun toys and they get to make you look fantastic and awesome. And that doesn't mean you can't be great and you can't grow and get better, but he didn't have to make any tough throws in the second half. Let's be honest. He made one really, really nice throw where he had a little pressure coming up the middle and uh, threw it, uh, you know, across his body a little bit and hit a lave over the head of the DB. Um, I'm not sure if the pass should have been a little deeper or Alave uh, flattened out his route too soon because the DB almost got his hands on the football. But then once Alave caught it, boom, he's gone, touchdown. The bigger concern, of course, for the Buckeyes is their defense, uh, particularly a pass defense that allowed 8.2 yards per attempt, 14.6 yards per completion. Um, the key here, the secondary still looks very shaky. They made Minnesota, the Minnesota wide receiving core looked very good, and that was without their number one target. So the secondary to me continues to be a major question mark. What could be a difference from last year to this year is the pass rush. They got two sacks, one hurry, not great. You need more than that. But the key play of the game was Zach Harrison's strip sack, forced fumble, recovered by his fellow D lineman who rumbled for a touchdown. That was a huge play and a big difference in this 45-31 win. And that's what they're going to need, probably. They're going to need that defensive line to make up for what they lack in the secondary. As for Minnesota, I really, really loved what I saw from their offense. I really couldn't have been more impressed from that offense. Uh, unfortunately, this is going to be the last time we're going to see Muhammad Ibrahim uh, run the football this season. Uh, 163 yards in, in three quarters, 30 carries, but a brutal injury. Uh, moving forward, they're going to have to figure out the running game, but I did love what I see, what I saw from their passing attack. We saw Dylan Wright with a touchdown among his five catches. He also drew a pass interference call. Uh, we saw uh, my guy, Daniel Jackson, my breakout guy who had uh, 58 yards on his three catches. I saw a lot of speed and athleticism from those two players. Dylan Wright brings some size. He's a transfer from Texas A&M. When Chris Ottman-Bell comes back, that's a really, really nice-looking uh, trio of wide receivers that Minnesota will have to work with. Defensively, it was absolutely atrocious, folks. Absolutely atrocious. Their defense, they, they allowed, they, they outran the Buckeyes, 203 yards to 201, right? But Minnesota did it on 50 carries. Ohio State did it on 26 carries only. They averaged 7.7 .7 yards a carry. 
Stroud averaged 13.4 yards per attempt. Not completion, folks. Per attempt. No sacks for the Gophers. Very quiet night for Mafi. Uh, this defense was absolutely hard a year ago. And they did not look any better in week one. The caveat I will give you is it was against Ohio State. So I'm not sure how many defenses would look good against week one. So, you know, I'll give that unit one. This is probably going to be the best offensive line you're going to face all season. Two, it's week one. You got room to grow. So let's see how it goes. But that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Shifting on to Friday night, Michigan State Spartans took on Northwestern, went on the road for a 38-21 win. Wow, who had Michigan State going for 511 yards on offense? The transfer from Wake Forest, Walker, had 264 yards on the ground, 11.5 yards per carry, four touchdowns. You can tell already he will be the focal point of the offense. Uh, Peyton Thorne was okay. He was okay. He was fine. Nothing special. 15 to 25, 185 yards. Didn't make mistakes. Wasn't the reason why they won. Maybe he can avoid being the reason why they lose. Still a lot more to see from him. Under center, defensively. Um, you liked what you saw from from uh, uh, an aggressive back seven, which was something that you know is a really really big positive because the strength of this team on the defensive side of the ball is the D line. So ultimately, while the D line didn't get any sacks, they didn't get any big uh, at least the ends didn't they didn't get any big plays or or you know stuff to stat sheet. What happens when you have a big D line is it allows the rest of your defense to make plays, and they did. You know, Kavarius Crouch had a big game in his first start. Seven tackles, one sack. Xavier Henderson all over the field. He had two TFLs, two tackles for loss, including a sack. Corner Ronald Williams had a sack as well. Six of their seven tackles for loss came from that back seven. So that, I think, bodes well for Sparty moving forward. Making plays, playmakers from that back seven which became a lot more athletic with the talent that they brought in in the portal. On the other side of the ball, guys, I told you last week this was going to be a rough year for the Northwestern Wildcats. They lost a lot on the defensive side of the ball, and boy, did it look it. Because they really just struggled defensively. It's not often you see a Northwestern defense get pushed around the way they were. They they look slow. At times they look soft. And I'm not sure if they have the players to turn it around. Um, Pat Fitzgerald is a phenomenal coach. And if somebody can, it is him. Uh, lucky for them, looking forward, the schedule is very favorable in the next four or five games. As down as I am about them right now, and I had them at under six and a half wins for the season, so this was a big, uh, a big loss for them in that in that respect. I would not be surprised if they reel off like four straight wins or four out of five because the schedule sets up very well. How do I? I don't know what to make of Hunter Johnson's um, performance. Thirty. I, I'm going to take a positive out of it. Okay, I'm going to take a positive out of it. 
He threw for 283 yards. He had three touchdown passes. He had no INTs. Uh, a lot of that was after they were already behind, um, you know, multiple scores, uh, um, 24 nothing. It was 14 nothing at the blink of an eye. So you don't want to buy too much into it, but compared to what he looked like two years ago, it was stunning. It was it was a little stunning that he won the job over Helinski, who everyone expected to 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 be QB one for the Wildcats this season. But maybe we got a glimpse as to why um, he is a starter. He he showed the ability to hit some plays down the field. Whether he has the receivers, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he if he has the wideouts there to really um, to really take advantage of his arm. But he has a big arm, and that's something to look forward to. That's maybe a positive the Gophers. I mean, excuse me, the Wildcats can take out of this uh, performance. Um, very little positives from their running game. Anthony Tyus the third uh, filling in for the injured starter. Uh, only 1.6 yards per carry as a team. Um, they had four yards on five carries in the first quarter, 19 yards on eight carries in the second quarter. Um, they ran better in the second half, but obviously, hey, you know, when you're winning big and how the other team's playing defense, that's going to allow you to put up some um, better ru rushing numbers. So I wouldn't put too much stock into that. Um, and, and something I talked about heading into the season was not only did they have um, their bell cow back go down right before the season started, but they had two big uh, uh, backups, Isaiah Bowser, Drake Anderson, um, transfer in the offseason. And, you know, with your starter down, that really that lack of depth really came into play. And Bowser was a beast. He ran for 170 yards in his debut with UCF. So he's a guy that clearly the Wildcats will miss. The big game on Saturday was between uh, uh, two ranked opponents. An interdivision game as Penn State went to Wisconsin. This was an ugly game. It was not a lot of fun to watch. Obviously, you know, I, I joked um, that if, uh, you know, if it was an SEC game, it would be it would be great defense. Or if it was, you know, Clemson, Georgia, it was great defense. But when it's Penn State, Wisconsin, it's bad, boring football. Um, Penn State eked out a 16-10 to win. Was not impressed by either offense, to be honest. Um, I know a lot of people are, are very high on Penn State off this win, are very suddenly bullish oh clear oh Penn State hey they stepped up second best team in the Big Ten um I, I'll say slow down a little bit uh Penn State had a plus three in turnover margin plus three that's a lot that's a lot to have a plus three in turnover margin and the you know Wisconsin still had every opportunity at the end of the game to win this game even with that so I was a little surprised we didn't see more of Noah Kane. He had eight carries for 50 yards. Granted, 34 came on one run, but still surprised we didn't see more from him. Um, Dotson, obviously, is an absolute stud, a big play threat who can really stretch the field. I like that Keandre Lambert-Smith had a 52-yard grab. 
if he can emerge as another uh, threat for them, uh, that definitely will bode well for the offense. But ultimately, they're both going to be at the mercy of Sean Clifford throwing the football. And he was okay. You know, he, he wasn't, he didn't blow the game. He didn't, uh, you know, have a costly interception, but he also missed some throws. He also missed some throws. So I guess from a Penn State perspective, you could say, yeah, we had plus three turnovers, but we missed some throws. And my retort would be, well, why, why should I expect you're going to hit those throws later on in the season? Because to me, that that is the weakness of this team. That is what can hold this team back is Sean Clifford and missing those opportunities. Um, you got away with it against Wisconsin, and you may not the next time around. But I really did like what I saw from the Penn State defense. Um, as much as I was down on Sean Clifford, I never was tempted at all to take Wisconsin in this game. And that was in large part because of the talent and the athleticism that the Nittany Lions have on that defense. They have a lot of speed in, at the second and third levels of the defense. They have one of the deeper defensive backfields in the Big Ten. Um, Arnold, I want to make sure I get this right, Abikite, the defensive end transfer from Temple. He had seven tackles, two tackles for loss, a sack, a quarterback hurry, he looks like he's going to be an immediate impact player from the Nittany for the Nittany Lions in his first year, probably the only year in Happy Valley, coming from Temple. Exactly what they needed coming off losing both of their uh, defensive ends from last season. So that was a huge plus. Love the Penn State defense. Arguably uh, the best defense in the Big Ten. If I you know if I just did a defensive power rankings, I'd probably rank them one after Week One. But again, those question marks are quarterback. Those quarterback question marks also extend to one Graham Mertz, who was awful. He was not good at all. We had, uh, you know, two lines. He had two of the turnovers, two interceptions, zero touchdown passes. They averaged a mere five yards per pass attempt and 8.4 yards per Per completion, folks. 8.4 yards per completion from from Graham Mertz. Jake Ferguson had nine catches, but for only 52 yards. Um, so they, they didn't really push the ball down the field much. They didn't spread it out. 17 of their 22 completions went to Ferguson or Danny Davis the third. So it was really a, a two-man show in the passing game. No explosive plays from that passing offense. And folks, I'm I'm... I'm wondering if, if you watch Jack Cohn, and I'm not a big Jack Cohn fan. Um, he may prove me wrong, but and, and I'm stunned to say this after one week. I would have thought anybody who said this in the preseason was crazy, but did Wisconsin pick the wrong quarterback? Is it possible they picked the, the wrong quarterback? Because Graham Mertz still looks extremely shaky. And um, a lot of the hype was, you know, recruiting. He is a higher top 100 kid much higher uh, type of prospect than the, the Wisconsin Badgers bring in, which is why you expected something different from the quarterback position. He had that amazing uh, game against Illinois, and I remember talking about that game last year and saying, "Wait, you know, yeah, the numbers are unbelievable. You know, one incompletion, five touchdown passes, but 
folks, if you watched that game last year against Illinois, I believe that was a Friday night game, week one. I mean, every throw was an easy throw. Guys were wide open all over the place. So I, I, I didn't want to take too much away from Graham Mertz, but this is why sometimes you have to. This is why you can't just evaluate the numbers. You have to acknowledge the fact that, hey, that was kind of easy. That defense stunk pretty bad. That might have been more about that defense than about the quarterback and the passing game. So Graham Mertz, to me, has a lot to prove. And he ultimately could end up being a negative rather than being a positive. Um, they may have made a mistake by picking Mertz over Jack Cohn. Obviously a long way to go. He's still a young kid. He's got a big arm, so we shall see. But the early returns for 2021 are not good for that uh, Wisconsin offense. I had questions about Jalen Berger. I saw a lot of people basically expecting Berger to be just a you know a, the next Wisconsin running back. To me, that was you know one of the um, one of the question marks for this program heading into the season. That was that was an X factor. Was can they run the ball like a Wisconsin team? Because before we we worry about before we talk about. Can they elevate the passing offense? Can they run the ball how the Badgers uh, like to run the ball? Berger did not. And um, the coaching staff basically went with the other guys. And and, uh, Malusi, the transfer from Clemson, did have 121 yards on the ground, but it took him 31 carries to get there, 3.9 yards per carry. In fairness to him, this is one of the better defenses he will face in Penn State, so maybe the sledding will be a little easier down the road, but lots of question marks all around for the Wisconsin offense. Not many for the defense. You really had to love what you saw there. Actually, a couple, one big question mark for the defense, and that is their coverage on the outside. And maybe this was a bad matchup because Jahan Watson, uh, Dotson, excuse me, is one of the better outside stretch the field, uh, you know, wideouts. So it was a bad matchup, especially in Week One for um, the Badgers. This is potentially the weakness. I think that's how you want to attack them. Obviously, a team, you know, teams are going to be competing with in the uh, West. A team like a Iowa doesn't necessarily have those kind of weapons or, or the quarterback to beat you on the perimeter. Uh, Northwestern doesn't. Illinois doesn't. Um, Minnesota might. Minnesota might. I, you know, Minnesota is a type of offense that could give this Wisconsin defense some trouble if they can connect big plays and if they can protect the quarterback. And to me, that was, you know, something that I – the biggest thing I took out of this was their their outside linebackers, Nick Herbig and Noah Burks, made more of an impact in one game in terms of getting into the backfield uh, than they did almost all of last season. Herbig, they had a sack between the two last season. Herbig had one sack and a QB hurry. Uh, Burks had two tackles for loss. Uh, Jack Sanborn was Jack Sanborn. He was a beast all over the field. But they need those edge guys. They need those edge outside linebackers to be dynamic pass rushers and penetrators, to be the guys who make those negative impact plays from the defensive side of the ball if we're going to see a truly vintage Wisconsin defense. Speaking of vintage defenses, how about those Hawkeyes, huh? They really did a number on the Indiana Hoosiers, 34-6. I thought the Hoosiers might come down to earth a little bit, uh, this season, 
Uh, I didn't expect it to be this much. Obviously, the Iowa was one of my picks last week against Indiana. Uh, with the spreads to my horn a little bit, 5-1, and one, not too shabby. Not too shabby for week one. But they held the Hoosiers to just 233 yards of offense, a meager 3.6 yards per play. It was, it was a tremendous uh, total defensive effort. We know the secondary is fabulous for the Hawkeyes. And, uh, you know, Mr. Moss, one of the better off-coverage zone uh, corners in college football, had not one, but two pick sixes, um, including jumping around perfectly for a big touchdown there. Their linebackers were active. I loved what I saw from the defensive line, which won on the lineup scrimmage. They had uh, not a lot of sacks, but they did have six QB hurries. Penix is obviously a tough guy to uh, bring down. So while the Hoosiers don't allow a lot, a lot of sacks, pressures are a commonplace, and the uh, Hawkeyes really uh, brought it. Uh, Van Velkenberg uh, did a nice job with two QB hurries from the defensive line. I don't know how much of this was Iowa's defensive line uh, really coming into their own and coming together uh, quickly in week one faster than we expected. If so, Iowa's going to say, hey, 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 slow down. I think we should be the, in the number one in the defensive rankings, not Penn State. Um, but, you know, I got to see them do this against a better O-line than Indiana's. Um, offensively, folks, it wasn't a great game from Iowa. It really wasn't. Uh, Goodson, you know, they had a decent game on the ground between uh, Goodson and Kelly Martin. Um, you know, a lot of those yards came from that big first run. Uh, Petrus was, Petrus, 13-27. Only, only, that's below 50%. Um, only 145 yards. Uh, Laporta had a very nice game. He's the next uh, Hawkeye tight end in that pipeline that they have going to the NFL. 83 yards and five catches. But what concerned me was the longest catch in the game by a wide receiver was only 11 yards. So this Iowa uh, offense, which scored 20 points, obviously they were playing with a big lead. So maybe they were playing a little more vanilla. Maybe they didn't open up the playbook the way they thought they would, especially with a big game coming up this week against Iowa State. Um, but, you know, I'm not ready off this game to really move Iowa up much, even though they won 34-6 over a ranked team. I thought they were the far superior team um, going into this game. That You know, I didn't predict a 28-point win, but I thought they would cover the, the spread of three and a half rather comfortably against the Indiana Hoosiers. I think this week is going to be a tougher test, and we're going to learn a little more about Iowa. Although you could say, hey, Iowa State, they struggled to beat Northern Iowa, so who knows. But, I, you know, I'm not ready to say, oh, you know, Iowa, they look like a top-10 team. I, I think, um, you know, the score, the score looks like they were a top-10 team. But if you watch the game and look a little deeper into the numbers, the offense uh, still leaves a lot to be desired. The biggest weakness of this team going into the season was the quarterback play, and that was not good. That was poor. They won despite the quarterback on Saturday. As for Indiana, 
they also had poor quarterback play, and they couldn't overcome it. Michael Penix was 14-29, 156 yards. He gave up those two pick sixes, as we said, only 5.4 yards per attempt, and an atrocious number, and um, could, have, could have been more. It could, I know they're saying one of the interceptions might have been the receiver making mistake, which I'll grant you, you know, that certainly could have been, but at the same time, he threw at least two, three other passes that easily, easily could have, if not should have, should have been picked off by, the, by that Iowa secondary. And I told you he was going to struggle against this zone defense where the all the DBs are more likely to be facing him. They're not turning. They're not turning to face their wide receiver. They're facing the quarterback. And when he makes those errant throws, they're going to be able to take advantage of it. So I'm curious to see if we're going to see more teams try to incorporate those type of zone schemes against Indiana uh, moving forward. Um, the transfer portal was a big part of the Hoosiers offseason. Uh, Florida, former Florida State wide receiver DJ Matthews, only nine yards on two catches. Stephen Carr, the running back from USC, got the ball 19 times, just couldn't get going, only three yards per carry. Conversely, on the defensive side of the ball, we saw two transfers along the defensive line. Ryan Anderson had seven tackles and a sack. Weston Kramer, uh, Ryan Anderson's from Ole Miss. Weston Kramer from Northern Illinois also had seven tackles, including a TFL. So maybe there are some good things to take out of the game from Indiana um, with guys like uh, Micah McFadden and Marcelino Ball. That second level is strong. They do have one of the best uh, secondaries in the Big Ten. So if they could get good play from the defensive line, I think it's possible Indiana could have a better defense than we expected going to the season. So there are some positives to take from there, but the offensive line was just dominated all game long. And, you know, I think a couple of the weaknesses in Michael Penix's game were exposed for the Hoosiers. I never thought they were the, you know, the team that was going to give Ohio State the biggest trouble, like Joel Klatt, who covers the Big Ten, thought. I mean, come on, Joel, really? Really? You look at their roster, you look at Penn State's roster, you look at Michigan's roster, and you thought Indiana's the team that's going to give Ohio State trouble this year? Please. Come on, man. All right. Let's let's move on from the Hoosiers, and uh, let's talk about those Michigan Wolverines who had a spectacular opening game blowing out Western Michigan. Now, granted, of course, it was against a Mac school, but uh, you had to like basically everything you saw. Cade McNamara was efficient. PFF had him as the number one rated uh, uh, Power 5 quarterback from week one. We saw the accuracy. We saw the, the quote-unquote game management, the good decision-making, as well as the big play potential. Big, deep bomb to uh, Mr. Bell, Ronnie Bell, who unfortunately was injured uh, later on in the game on a punt return and his loss for the season. We also saw J.J. McCarthy come off the bench with a monster uh, 69-yard touchdown pass to Dalen Baldwin, which was a crazy throw down the field, basically outside of the numbers on one side, all the way across the field, across his body, a special talent. He's a five-star quarterback, and you can see the talent on that play. Um, more guys, <clears throat> excuse me, more guys who popped, Blake Corm, 
He went for over 200 all-purpose yards, 111 on the ground. He is a special talent, folks. Uh, a lot of speed from Blake Corum. Hassan Haskins uh, brought the power between Haskins, Corum, uh, Henning, who had a 74-yard touchdown run, wide receiver Ramon Wilson, who had a 43-yard run. You had four guys with rushes of over 20 yards. Uh, the defense was also very good. Um, they gave up a uh, touchdown drive on the opening drive. The first drive, uh, you know, defensive coordinator Mike McDonald led, and it was a touchdown drive, but they figured it out from there. Veterans like, uh, you know, Ross at linebacker, Daxton Hill from the secondary was flying all over the place, as was Aiden Hutchinson, who got his first sack of the season, including a forced fumble. He had another uh, quarterback hurry, folks, expect Expect Hutchinson and Daxon Hill. I, th I think these are first-team, all-Big Ten-type performers. Some of the young guys stepped up, too, which they're going to need. You know, there's talent on that defense, but it's young, unproven talent. So we saw flashes from quite a few players, but it was Western Michigan. So we're not going to get too hyped up on what we saw from the Wolverines. Obviously, as you guys know, I was more bullish on Michigan going into the season. I love them over eight and a half, I'm mean, excuse me, seven and a half. I probably would have liked them over eight and a half, but I love them at over seven and a half a win total for the season. It was my biggest bet last week was their minus 17 over Western Michigan, which they covered easily. Um, you know, I just thought this ball club was uh, undervalued going into the season. Obviously, we're going to learn more about them uh, this week when they take on the Washington Huskies a Pac-12 program, a team that was ranked and is now coming off a big loss to Montana and is probably going to come in, you know, feeling like they have a lot to prove. Staying in the uh, Big Ten East, Rutgers had a 61-14 to win. That was my only loser as I had Temple plus the 14.5 points. Um, and while the score indicated that, you know, hey, they just throttled them, at the end of the day, Rutgers' offense averaged 4.6 yards per play. So you're talking 365 yards of total offense, 4.6 yards per play, and they put up 61 points. How the heck can that happen? Well, I'll tell you how. They, had, they, <laughs> they won the turnover battle 5-zip. Included in that was an interception for a touchdown. And they had five other drives that started inside the Temple 35-yard line, including one at the two. The Scarlet Knights also converted three of three of fourth downs. So these folks, these numbers are not, um, these are not repeatable numbers for Rutgers. It's going to be tough for them to, to do that again. Um, having said that, I did really like what I saw from their defense. Uh, Fatu Kasi, their leader, their linebacker, was a whirling dervish. I mean, three and a half tackles for a loss, two and a half sacks, forced fumble, quarterback hurry. Um, the best part of this team last year was their ability to get into the offensive backfield. They led the Big Ten in tackles for loss. We saw them do it again. So, you know, I had my doubts of how this team performed last season. Was it something that they could carry over into this year? And maybe it can, at least on the defensive side of the ball, as they had nine tackles for loss. They had three sacks 
three forced fumbles, six quarterback hurries. So this was a nasty defense, what you would expect to see from Greg Schiano. However, however, offensively, Noah Vidrell leaves a lot, a lot to be desired. 15 of 27, only 138 yards as Rutgers averaged a meager, and yes, this is meager, five yards per pass attempt. That's a meager number. Um, Bo Melton had a big 40-yard catch. Uh, however, on his other four receptions, he only totaled 19 yards. He was the only player on the team that had more than 25 receiving yards. So this this offense is just way, way too easy to defend. Um, Pacheco only averaged 3.2 yards per carry on the ground. So it's going to be, it's going to have to be the defense keeping them in games. Um, they're going to face a tougher test this week as they go to the Carrier Dome to play Syracuse in an old uh, Big East game. Um, a bigger win, a more impressive win, was by the Terps. Maryland took care of West Virginia at home 30-24. to um, They really had a big edge on the ground, uh, over 100 yards edge on the ground, uh, which was mostly about their run defense, believe it or not. And had you told me that going into the game, I would have thought that would have been a huge, huge positive for their offense. But instead, it was really the defense that um, that, that made the big difference there is they held West Virginia to just 2.3 yards per carry, not something that I expected to see um, from the Terps defense early on offensively. Um, uh, Tagliavoa had 26 of 36 passing for 332 yards, three touchdowns. If they could get consistent play from him, that's going to be a huge factor. He is the X factor for this team. When he plays well, they win. They have dynamic big play wideouts. Um, Dante Demas went for 133 yards, averaging 22.2 yards for carry. Uh, Rakim. Jarrett paid in full, as uh, as Anish, the announcer, said. Great line there. If you're a fan of Eric B. and Rock Him, uh, you'll definitely get that reference. He went for 122 yards, over 20 yards per catch. So two big play guys. They showed what they could do. Nice game from uh, Fleet uh, Tayon Fleet Davis, 123 yards on the ground, nearly seven yards of pop. Love what we saw there. Nick Nick Cross. And the, the secondary guy, their safety, one of the better safeties in all of college football, was an absolute stud in this game, as was Ruben Hippolyte, my breakout player. This Mike linebacker from Florida can really cover ground sideline to sideline. He had a big impact in the passing game as well as he batted down two passes. Now Maryland was plus four in the turnover, turnover battle, which, you know, when you're at home and you're plus four, you kind of want to win. A little more than 30 to 24, right? Had I had this was a game I passed on, but had you told me the Terps were plus four in turnovers, I would have pounded the Terps. That would have been my my biggest play of the week. Yet they only won by six points. A big part of that was their special teams, particularly their kickoff coverage, which allowed 217 yards, an average of 43.4 yards. So that's something that Maryland is going to have to clean up moving forward. Finally, two more games here as we shift to the West. 
We're going to talk a little Purdue Boilermakers, who beat Oregon State 30-21. to um, It was kind of a meh, eh kind of game, to be honest with you, um, from Purdue. They they tried to run the ball. They, they, they were okay. Horvath gave them 81 yards, but only 3.9 yards per carry. I think that needs to be better. That's simply not going to be good enough if they're really going to want to be balanced offensively. Jack Plummer was was pretty good. He was pretty sharp. Um, he was accurate with his throws. He dealt with some pressure, uh, particularly early on in the game, and showed the ability, showed the elusiveness. I think that's why he gets the starting starting nod over over O'Connell is his mobility, and they they needed it especially early on. This offensive line needs to perform better both in pass blocking and run blocking. But he he finished with uh, 313 yards, a pair of touchdowns, no interceptions. David Bell, as always, a monster, 134 yards on eight catches. Tight end Payne Durham, we told you to watch for him and his ability to get in the end zone. While well, he finished with 122 yards, 120 yards, excuse me, on seven catches, including two touchdowns. But he did have a bad bobble where he bobbled a reception on the fourth down play. A fake field goal, and it turned into an interception. It should have been a completion inside the ten yard line. Um, they left they left points on the field as well offensively. Uh, the play before that, uh, Milton Wright basically dropped a touchdown pass. Perfect ball thrown by Jack Plummer. Dropped it right in his hands, and Milton Wright uh, could not snag it. Uh, the defense was okay. It, it you know three two and a half three quarters in. I thought uh, the defense looked fabulous. You know, they talked about being more aggressive. They were. Um, a sec- you know, hybrid player, secondary level player, Jalen Graham, was the defensive MVP for them. He had six tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss, three pass breakups. But what they need more from him, George Karlaftis, um, who was not able to get to the quarterback. Uh, they forced Neuer, the starter for Oregon State, out of the game, the former Colorado quarterback, but then backup Chance Nolan came in and basically torched them. 157 yards passing on uh, two dri- uh, three drives, and it was the offense having to answer twice. They answered Oregon State touchdowns two times. Um, you know they should have been up by more Purdue, and then they let Oregon State back in the game. So I think overall you got to take a lot of positives out of this. Obviously, the biggest positive is just getting the W at home. If you're a program that wants to get the you you know wants to make it to a bowl this season, but you know I like the fact that even though it felt like this game was closer than it should be, and Oregon State did make their run, Purdue didn't fold. They had answers offensively. So let's see. You know they showed some growth on defense, but then they later on they look they kind of looked. Gassed. So I don't know if that's a depth issue, but something to follow. The intriguing, I could see potentially some growth from the defense, and, and that's what they desperately need from that program. And speaking of growth slash regression, that's what we're talking about with the Illinois Fighting Illini, right? Uh, against UTSA. I gave you UTSA as the pick and the points. I told you to, you know, maybe a little sprinkle something on the money line. Uh, they beat the Illini 37 to 30, jumped out to a 14-0 lead. Illinois three separate times cut it to a field goal. Had the ball at the end with a chance to tie, just couldn't get it back 
offensive line did a good time, did a good job in terms of protection. Um, but the running game really struggled, particularly without Chase Brown, who was injured in the Nebraska game. There was hope he might be able to play, but without him, they really struggled. But I really think it was more the offensive line um, was disappointing. Um, I expected more from them, as the you know they were only they they really just couldn't get the running game going, and that's something I think this program needs. It's something that they they it's not a want; it's a need there. It's what Bielema wants to do, but with his personnel, it's what they need to do. Uh, Art Sikowski, similar to Hunter Johnson, it took him, you know, the completion rate wasn't as good, but threw for 266 yards, had three touchdown passes, no interceptions. So coming from what we saw him do with Rutgers, it's still a major step forward uh, for Art Sikowski. It's the type of effort that at the end of the day, if you're Illinois, you're going to take and if other people do their jobs, if other parts of the offense work, it's good enough to win, right? So I think I'm going to take that as a positive because you're not expecting Art Sikowski or even if Brandon Peters is there healthy to just suddenly morph into becoming a uh, all-Big Ten type of quarterback. But if they can make enough positive plays, limit the negative plays, that's good enough for Illinois to potentially get the win um, the problem is the defense cannot allow 37 points, cannot allow nearly 500 yards of offense to the Roadrunners, including 8.8 yards per pass, 14 yards per completion. That the secondary, which we knew was going to be a weakness, um, definitely um, was a negative against UTSA, who was able to push the ball down the field. Um, a positive Tariq Barnes stepping in. Uh, for their injured linebacker, I'm uh, forgetting his name now, the uh, uh, Hart, the transfer, Hart Jr., the transfer from NC State who had a monster first half against Nebraska. Unfortunately, he is out for the season, but sophomore Tariq Barnes really had a, a positive game for them with 11 tackles. What they need, though, is they need, they need uh, more from the pass rush. They only had one sack in the game. None from their outside linebackers. Um, I believe, if I remember right, they had three sacks from their D-line um, against Nebraska. And that, that's you cannot rely on that three-man front to get all the pressure. Randolph got the one sack, their defensive young defensive end, um, who's off to a good start this season. He's a guy to watch. But you need more from, from Carney, and you need uh, more from Gay. Those are their two edge rushers, those guys just need to produce better, excuse me, not Carney, uh, Owen Carney, yeah, Owen Carney and, and Isaiah Gay, they need more from those guys rushing the passer, all right, folks, that was a lot I I went through there, I know the pod was a little late uh, this week because of the late Labor Day weekend, we had a lot of games, both Big Ten games and out-of-conference games, yes, Nebraska won, you know, beat, you want me to talk about you uh, off a win, beat, beat at least a group of five team. How about that? Beat a, beat Buffalo and you will, we'll talk about you next week. We'll see how you do. Um, you know, big winners from this week, clearly, uh, Michigan state showed they're a program, um, that's probably going to take a step forward this year. I think they're a, a live team to potentially make a bowl. I had them at over four and a half wins. Penn State, big, big road win for them. We saw some positives 
but still need to see growth on the uh, offensive side of the ball, particularly from the quarterback position. That Iowa defense looked every bit as nasty and tough as it was last year. And if the defensive line can carry over what they did um, against the Hoosiers, against better offensive lines, then we could be talking about an elite defense around the country. Big win for the Maryland Terrapins, who are looking to get bowl eligible. Uh, the type of game, you know, they got the four turnovers. Let's see if they can win. Can can they keep that up? You know what I mean? Can they make it hold? We've seen them with big uh, opening wins before, blowing out Texas a couple times, getting even ranked after week one, and then just crapping the bed uh, the rest of the way. Uh, you know, big win for Ilan, for Rutgers, I should say. You know, I, I wasn't overly impressed, to be honest, but hey, it's, it's Rutgers. The bar is still low there. You, you don't apologize for wins at Rutgers. You, you're not there yet. So if they want to have any chance of maybe uh, surprising some people, sneaking into a bowl game, I don't see it myself. But that was a must-win, positive note to uh, build off of uh, the last season. Ohio State, obviously, the juggernaut of the conference. Um, I think, you know, the way I feel about Ohio State after this game was kind of the same way I felt about them before the game. Maybe the only thing that makes them a little bit scarier is the way the offensive line looked. Again, also, that could have been a product of playing a very poor Minnesota defense, which, you know, looks like is going to, be what holds them back from potentially challenging in the uh, Big Ten West. But I really like what I see from the offense, even without Mo Ibrahim. I think the offensive line against a different uh, front should be able to create some holes for uh, their backup running backs as they step in. I really, really love the potential of this passing game, which I think could be one of the better units in the Big Ten. Michigan, Kind of, you know, it's hard to say it's a statement win when you're playing a Mac school, but considering all of the negativity surrounding the program heading into the year, um, you know, a lot of people had them looking as like a 6-6 six and six team. A lot of people liked Western Michigan plus the 17 points. Well, at the end of the day, what you can say is they didn't look like a 6-6 six and six team. They look like one of Harbaugh's better teams. Now, can that, will that carry over? Uh, as the competition steps up, as they step into Big Ten play. Well, we shall see. We'll learn more about them uh, against Washington uh, this week. On the negative side, you know, Northwestern, ugly, ugly game. Um, but, as and this is, I'm saying this as somebody that, you know, picked against them last week with Michigan State, that liked the under at six and a half. We've seen Pat Fitzgerald teams get off to ugly starts to a season. And, you know, turn it around. We saw them have ugly starts a couple of years ago, and they went on to win a Big Ten, uh, Big Ten West division title and make it to the Big Ten championship game. Um, that was three years ago. Two years ago, it didn't work out. They finished three and nine. This team could be headed in that direction, but the good thing for them is schedule is very soft moving forward. So the opportunity will be there to right the ship. Wisconsin boy, I don't know. They've got to be doubting themselves with Graham Mertz. That's all I got to say. There's some doubts there on the offense. There's some doubts as to how dominant this defensive line, this offensive line is. They lost more battles than they won against that uh, uh, defensive front from Penn State. That was you know strength against strength. 
but I, you know, they, the running game is not vintage Wisconsin running game. Graham Mertz didn't look like he's elevating this offense at all. Indiana, as I expected, came down to earth after last season. Six and two, folks. Yes, six and two. Cracked the top ten. Finally beat Michigan. Finally beat Penn State. You know what, though? At the end of the day, didn't beat any teams with a winning record. This was their first test against a tough team, and Indiana had a big, big failure in their first test against a tough team. So I'm not writing them off as, you know, they're not going to make a bowl or anything like that, but I thought they were 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five team going into the season. And I think ultimately that's where they're going to land. And Illinois, hey, man, I can't – I'm not surprised they lost that game. It kills me because I, I was such – I was so torn at that game, not sure what to root for as Indiana is down seven moving to try to tie the game. That's because I had USTA uh, plus the five-and-a-half points. But I also have – Illinois over three and a half wins so to get that second win would have been huge now that play is a little more in jeopardy but at least I at least I hit the game for the week so it was a little bit of a saver there okay folks that wraps up our week one wrap up here on the big show I'm your host Daniel Mogollon you can find me on Twitter at Dan the sport man you can listen to this podcast. Uh, we'll, we, we will shortly be getting on iTunes and all those different places that you can listen to your podcast. We're on Google already. But if not, you can uh, go to the website, big-10-football-show.captivate.fm. That's big-10-football-show.captivate.fm. And there you can listen to the podcast. Remember, this is the big Big Ten football show where legends become leaders.